Blessings to you, my present truth presented friends. This is a Passover to Pentecost podcast, season two, crossing over into an era of expectancy. We are in week six, coming to the end of week six. This last couple of weeks, we have been looking at marks or signs of what a new era looks like, what we can expect in a new era. We are on episode 41, entitled, Revival and Reformation are Paramount. We are in a new time gate in the earth realm. A new era has begun. A few of the marks of this new season are God's government manifest here on earth in greater dimensions. The heavens open in tangible ways. Angels are at the ready to minister to and with us. We can experience dreams, God's glory, Holy Spirit empowerment, visions, and revelation in more significant ways. Righteousness and justice reign upon the thirsty land. The wilderness has prepared us to enter into the good land clothed in Yahweh's presence and power. One of the critical marks of this new era is there is no partiality or prejudice in Elohim. In this hour, we must lay aside yesterday's preconceived ideas of ministry and life. The new season comes with hope and possibilities for all people. Our mandate, go and tell the good news of Yeshua, the Messiah, to all humanity and disciple nations. Mark 14 is revival and reformation are paramount. Our key passage of scripture again today is Matthew 28. Yesterday, we read that the women that followed Jesus had come to the tomb to mourn the day after his death upon the cross. When they got there, there was an earthquake and an angel appeared and told them that Jesus was no longer in the grave, that he had risen. And the angel gave the women a mandate, a commission, if you will, to go and tell the disciples that Jesus was not dead, but he was alive. Well, today in verse 9 and 10, we see as the women are on their way to tell the disciples, they run into Jesus. Verse 9, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they, the women, came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So now we have seen the angels 
appeared to the women and told them, go and tell. And now in verse 9 and 10, we see that Jesus met them. He met them on the way and he let them fall down at his feet and worship him. And then he too gave them a commission, a mission, go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and they will see me there. So if Jesus can send women on a mission to go and tell in the early church, we as women of God can go and tell the good news today as well. We go down further in this passage of scripture, starting with verse 16 through 20, and we see that the disciples do meet with Jesus and he gives them a new mandate to disciple nations. Starting with verse 16 in Matthew 28, we read, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus commissioned his disciples and us believers to operate on two tracks of harvest. The first track of harvest was revival, which we see in Mark sixteen fifteen. Revival is focused on individual people being born again to disciple individuals. Mark 16, 15 says, As you go, as you go into the world, preach the wonderful news of the gospel of the kingdom to the entire human race. Mark 16 is about being commissioned to disciple individuals, that is a characteristic of revival. But in Matthew 28, in this passage of scripture, we see that Jesus tells them to not only disciple individuals, but now he's telling them, I want you to disciple nations. He makes a distinction between individuals and nations. Matthew 28, 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In other words, the kingdom of God. There are two distinct characteristics for these tracks. The characteristics of revival are. It's focused on individual people. Get them saved, healed, delivered, and set free. Revival is about power and outpouring. 
Its emphasis is on signs and wonders and the moving of the Holy Spirit. We're seeing this in various places throughout the earth right now. Revival is a function of the family of God, the oikos. Revival often has a short-term mindset and appeals to the youth and evangelist. Harp and bowl is the central prayer support. The charismatic and the prophetic movements fueled by evangelists are front and center. Revival comes as all believers heed Jesus' command in Mark 16. Characteristics of Reformation focus on nations. We are called to get them saved, healed as well, but then to bring truth to countries to set them free from ungodly governance. Reformation is about renewing minds. The emphasis is on teaching that transforms. It's about teaching that transforms. Jesus said, go and teach them. Reformation is about setting up procedures, methods, and systems, not of man's rule, but of God's rule, so that the kingdom of God can come within the nation. Reformation is a long-term mindset or mission. Reformation appear, appeals to mature ones, as older folks mostly. The crown and throne or kingly intercession is the central prayer aspect. The apostolic movement and apostles and prophets are front and center. Reformation comes with the ecclesia, the, the legislative body functions on the earth. Revival is mainly focused on individuals, getting them saved, healed, and delivered, getting them transformed to become little Christ so they can go forth and become those that learn to disciple nations. Reformation is focused on nations, seeing them transformed to become governed by God's kingdom rule for the kingdom of God to invade the nation, that the nation can become a sheep nation, not a goat nation. In the timeline of the counting of the Omer, or the Feast of Weeks, that's what we've been doing for these last 40 days. That's the 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. It's called Counting of the Omer, or the Feast of Weeks. We are on the 41st day, or we are 10 days out from Shavuot, which is the biblical feast, or Pentecost. This year, the biblical feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost, is May the 16th, beginning in the evening and going through the 18th in the evening. Pentecost Sunday, which is celebrated by most Christians, is 
May the 16th. There are three dimensions of this Pentecost season that God talks about in his word. There are three things that God would like to accomplish in our lives during this open heaven season. Number one, that we would receive God's blessings of abundant provision. That's physical provision, financial provision, relational provision, everything we need for the whole man or the whole woman. Supernatural revelation is available in this time. This is when the Torah or the word of God was given to Moses for the people of God. Torah is just means the teachings of God. They were given on Mount Sinai. This is the time when they were given right now. And God wants us to receive fresh revelation of his word and of his spirit, which is the third thing. There is a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit made available for every single believer in this season of time. That Passover to Pentecost, or the counting of the Omer, or the Feast of Weeks, is seven weeks, or 50 days. And we see in the New Testament, these are the days that Jesus appeared to many people after his resurrection. Matter of fact, we see in, in Acts that for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus remained on the earth to teach his disciples and those who would come to know him things about the kingdom of God. And he told them that he wanted them to wait or tarry in Jerusalem because there was a promise that the Father said he would send to them. He said, tarry until. So Jesus rose again. He stayed on earth for 40 days, and then yesterday, the 40th day, he ascended to heaven to take his rightful place on the throne of God. And he tells the disciples and those following him, many, he gave many opportunity, said, this is what I want you to do for the next 10 days, find you a place and get alone as a, as a unit, come together and wait in my presence because my father has something special he wants to do for you. So 40 days, Acts 1, 1 through 5 says, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them, many during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus was literally giving the disciples and, and the future apostles everything they would need to know about the kingdom of God so that they could then disciple others into this kingdom. It goes on to say in Acts, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and to those following him, and 120 people responded to Yeshua's invitation. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry until you are endued with power. We see that in Luke 24, 49. So these 120 people that responded to the invitation went to a place we call the upper room, and they waited together for 10 days for the promise of the Father. And you know what they did during those 10 days? They worshiped. They got into Torah or the Bible. They were setting themselves aside and preparing themselves for this new thing that was going to happen that Jesus said was a promise of the Father. To tarry means to make, to sit down. In other words, they set aside 10 days. They didn't work. They worshiped. They got in the word. They sought after Yeshua and the Father for what was coming. They set aside the 10 days. It means a point. It means to confer a kingdom on one. Not only was Jesus saying, go sit down and set yourself aside, but he said, after these 10 days, I'm going to confer on you the kingdom of God. The whole new realm of of church was going to be activated called the kingdom of God. The people of God were being activated into the kingdom and this whole new relationship of God and man. The, The word power in this passage is the Greek word dunamis. And it means strength, power, ability. It also means inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. This is also bringing us back to Genesis 1, where the first Adam gave up his rights, but the last Adam, Yeshua, gave it back to us. So it was during these 10 days that Jesus was saying, the nature that you had in the beginning is going to be put back in you or basically it wasn't put back in them, it was going to be activated, made alive again. It also means performing miracles, power to perform miracles. And it means moral power, excellence of soul. To be the kingdom agents on the earth, we need to have the power of God that would cause us to have excellence of soul. We need to have the nature of God within us. We need to understand that the kingdom of God has been conferred on us. We have been given strength and ability and power to perform signs and wonders. We are in a new era, a Kairos time right now in these 10 days to finish off the the 50 days. A Kairos time is a set time. It's a time that we set aside to seek his face, among other things. But the Kairos time right now is meant for us to hear 
Yahshua's voice and to receive a message from his own lips. In these days and at this time, the Spirit of the Lord is saying that we can hear the voice of Yeshua and we can receive a message from his own lips to direct our lives and get us in the place we need to be to become those representatives of the kingdom of God, the ecclesia here on earth. Acts twenty two fourteen. And the Amplified Bible says, And he said, The God of our forefathers has destined and appointed you to come progressively to know his will, to perceive, to recognize more strongly and clearly, and to become better and more intimately acquainted with his voice, and to see the righteous one, Yeshua, the Messiah, and to hear a voice from his own mouth and a message from his own lips. That is the amplified version of Acts twenty-two fourteen. Beloved, may we become as the early disciples and apostles, surrendered completely to Yeshua and his ways. Elohim has a kingdom plan of expansion, harvest in these days. Yeshua has marked us as his royal priesthood. We are being called up and called out to represent Christ, the anointed one here on earth. It's time the ecclesia become glory carriers. This new era consists of glory gatherings, revival and reformation, worship, intercession, and declaration. The people of God are becoming mouthpieces or firebrands that disciple individuals and nations in this new era. Selah, says the Spirit of the Lord. I bless you in this Kairos time. As you tarry these next 10 days, may the overwhelming presence of God be upon you. Declare this over yourself, over your family, your cities, your regions, your churches, your ministries. I will tarry, wait in God's presence and receive a fresh empowering message from Yeshua's lips. I will disciple individuals and engage as the ecclesia to see nations transformed in this end time harvest. I bless you with all that Yeshua has for you. As you wait in his presence these next 10 days, may you receive a a message from his own lips. May you hear his voice in clear and distinct ways like never before. May you be freshly endued with power to become his witnesses here on earth. Thank you for listening, for sharing, and giving us your feedback. In Yeshua's mighty name, this is Sharon Webster. Until tomorrow.